This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selkie, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selfie, and we're in season three entitled Lead to Win. We have come a very, very long way, and today in episode 11, we are going to be diving in to look at how systems make excellence sustainable in a team, in an organization. Before we go too much further into today's leadership topic, however, I want to give a a quick shout out to our sponsors. They've just been incredible this entire season. Uh, Brightview Medical, I know at the end of every episode, we have a shout out to them talking about their company and organization, but again, just wanted to give a huge thanks to to Brightview for helping us from a financial standpoint, continue to bring and deliver you great content free to you. Um, but but they're, of course, supporting our work and believe in what we're doing here at the Selkin Performance Group in terms of helping individuals, teams, and organizations really understand the two concepts, right, of mindset and leadership and how when we can understand and leverage those two elements, mindset at the individual level and leadership at the organizational level, it really really gives us an opportunity to unleash performance excellence. And that's really our whole intent here at the Selking Performance Group is helping sports teams and businesses unleash performance excellence in their individuals, within their teams, and as an organization as a whole. So again, thank you to Brightview for, for helping us from a sponsorship perspective. And if you or your organization is interested in supporting us from the financial side of it or being a sponsor as well uh, to communicate your message and really partner with us in the this mechanism and um, in this intentionality to help people live their best lives and deliver their best on a consistent basis. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out, Amber at selkingperformance.com. Obviously, don't hesitate, right? I'm asking you for money. Um, but at the same time, um, I think it's really awesome when you can partner with organizations that have a same heart, a same mission. And that is for sure what Brightview is after. I mean, they're out there to change the world and in terms of how medicine is operated and how the medical system is, is set up. So please check them out um, and see what it is that they're working on. Again, just an awesome partnership we have with very visionary and passionate leaders and influencers in their space. With that, I'd want to just do a quick recap of where we've been so far in season three, because again, we're in we're in episode eleven. We've only got uh, until episode sixteen to be together through this, and so just a quick general overview of where we've been in terms of topics as it relates to leading to win. And the the first topic, right, we talked about was that great leadership starts with a great leader, and that really look into yourself and understanding your self identity. We then moved on to looking at what it means and looks like to build a great culture? And how do you do that um, for the short term and for the long term? Uh, 
Then we started talking about setting clear performance standards. Then we moved into talking about communication and its importance in an organization. Then we talked about team dynamics, right, and empowering individuals to really deliver their best on a consistent basis. And that leads us to today, right, where we're going to talk about systems and how systems really make sustainable results possible in an individual's life and in an organization. And so... You know, empowering others has as much to do with ensuring that the proper systems are in place as it does, you know, for your individual relationships with your people or communication with your people. And so, uh, again, you know, all of the things that we've talked about so far have been, are really, really important to leadership, but we have to understand that really it's systems and processes that allow those things to be sustainable, to be replicable within and throughout in organization. And so that really gets us to where we are today. A great conversation that we've had with one of our guests this season happened on um, episode four when we were talking with Justin Most. So if you didn't have a chance to listen to that episode, I encourage you to go back because he and I had a really great dialogue around, again, just the importance of processes and um, and systems. And so we use that word there a lot, processes. And, and here we're talking about it in terms of systems. But systems really are anything in the organizational structure that's in place um, to to allow a particular task to manifest, right? And these can be with your people, um, uh, with with different processes from communication, right? And it's the leader's job to understand and help manage systems in a way that allow individuals to engage with their work productively, okay? And that's really, again, systems, 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 processes, processes, processes. And a lot of a lot of elements in organizations don't have processes in place around them, okay? So let me give you an example of a football program that I worked with, not Notre Dame football, um, but an organization that I consulted with, a Division I program. And one of the elements that the head coach told me was that the staff was having trouble communicating. And particularly, there was a gap in the communication between the offensive and defensive staffs. And so after I spent a day in the organization and, and I was watching you know, staff meetings take place, what I recognized was when the whole staff meeting would break, the offensive staff would go upstairs and the defensive staff would go downstairs to their to where their uh, offices were. So again, the offense sat on the second floor and the defense sat on the first floor. And so again, there was a flaw in this system of simple office layout and design that perpetuated this miscommunication and tension between the staff, right? Again, offensive staff was on the second floor, defensive staff was on the first floor. And and it's this small detail, right, around office layout that that did not empower the coaches to engage in sort of an ongoing open dialogue with one another. So if something went down in the whole staff meeting, again, they just go to their separate floors, stew on it throughout the course of the day, and never really be forced, quote unquote, to intersect with each other to solve that. So that would be an example of a system that was in place or not in place that impeded the the process of communication among the staffs. So they did an office, uh, a realign of their office, right, where they mixed um, their offensive and defensive GAs and assistant coaches so that um, different communication had to take place. I mean, there was a constraint from a financial standpoint. It wasn't like, hey, okay, well, let's just build a new building, right? That's not always probable. 
But in that situation, um, what what continuous improvement can we make? And that's really that's really what we're talking about today. Our leadership principle for today is seek continuous improvement. And so, you know, as we talk about that leadership principle of seeking continuous improvement, that predicates on the fact that we actually have to have systems or processes in place, right? So, I really want you to stop and consider what are some of the systems that exist in the team with which you're affiliated. And that can be um, systems in your family, right? Like what's your what's your morning get out of the house system like? Do you have a system or a process in place? Um, and once we identify those systems, again, the people and processes that exist on our teams, then we have to have this continuous improvement on our minds, right? How can we continually grow and get better at what we do and how we do it? This is a critical question for us to have as leaders so that we can ensure that our and our team's efforts are both effective and efficient. I mean, man, how many times have you been in situations where the inefficiency of the moment just totally overwhelms you, right? Um, When you're sitting in the DMV, that would be a great example of how inefficient things happen, right? I actually, I I, I say the DMV jokingly, but I will say that South Bend DMV uh, is rather an incredible and efficient process. And while I was sitting there, not appalled or frustrated by the DMV's process. I was like, wow, this is impressive, right? You walk in, you take a number, you have an, they had open seating right there. And then, and then a ton of, of desks lined up where their people were sitting and they were rifling through people. I I said to myself, wow, this is the best experience of the DMV I've ever had. Uh, But I do note that not all DMVs are, are quite so well laid out. But again, we've all been in situations where inefficiencies in the moment are frustrating and sometimes overwhelming. Listen, if you're a leader, you have the opportunity to impact that inefficiency. And so this is why it's first important that you ask yourself, what are the what are the people and process systems that we have or don't have in place that are creating inefficiencies? Or if we were to instill a process, could drive efficiency? Again, at the leadership role, you have the opportunity to make that impact. And I really want to encourage you to do so because you know how frustrating it is when you're sitting in inefficient uh, settings. And again, you have the chance to make that change and have that shift in your organization. And so again, as we engage in creating great systems and processes, then we have to adopt that perspective of now how do we have continuous improvement? So again, when thinking about systems and processes, I think Notre Dame football is a great example to say, you know, hey, we didn't have a process in place. And Coach Kelly talks about this, you know, on his pressers all the time. And and we are going to have him as a guest on the podcast here in a couple weeks. Um, That episode, you know, with with Coach will be coming out on May 14th. So stay tuned for that. Um, But, you know, one of the things he talks a lot about in terms of our work together was really clarifying the process. What is our process for success? right? It's really hard to go back and make adjustments in, in your team or in your organization if you don't have clear processes in place. So ask yourself, where do we need to have a process and how can we clarify that so that our people can be more efficient and more effective in their roles? 
one of my, so I have a McDonald's background. You know, I grew up, my family had McDonald's franchises and I grew up in that world. And I always remember, uh, you know, my dad used to quote Ray Kroc all the time, you know, when you're green, you're growing and when you're ripe, you start to rot. And so that's this whole thing around the leadership principle of seeking continuous improvement. When you're green, right, you got that growth mindset and you're hungry for it. That's actually our mindset principle for today, right? Is it adopt a growth mindset around that quote, right? Of when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you start to rot. When you're green, you're hungry, right? You're early in your career. You're passionate about growth and getting better and you're growing. That's that's exact same things with processes and organizations. But when we're ripe, when a fruit is ripe, all of a sudden it starts to rot, right? There's a really, really fine line between being ripe and starting to rot. And you know one of one of a, a fascinating business leader who recently passed away in 2016 was Intel's Andy Grove. So Andy Grove was one of the founders of Intel and uh, CEO and president along the way. Served in many leadership capacities in that organization. But you know he has he has a book out, and it was actually a leadership principle that he operated out of is only the paranoid survive. And you know I don't think paranoia is really a healthy way for us to live. Um, but one of the things that he would say often is that success breeds complacency, complacency breeds failure. Only the paranoid survive. And so that also became the title of his book, Only the Paranoid Survive. Again, I have a different performance lens through which to view paranoia as it relates to success, but I but I do totally agree with those first two sentences of success breeds complacency and complacency breeds failure. When you're green, you're growing. When you ripe, you start to rot. And so as leaders, we have to seek continuous improvement in ourselves and in our organization. So now let's shift into looking at that through the lead in lens, right? Leading ourselves first, challenging others to seek continuous improvement, you know, must start by a leader who models this type of behavior, right? Who's hungry for growth, who's always seeking to get better at at your craft. And so as we keep an eye on our teams and our systems, we must, we must look to ourselves to see how we can continue to get better first as a person, right? And, And then as a leader. In sort of the, the, so continuous improvement, right, is a whole body of knowledge. And if you're an individual out there that is in the CI world, I recognize that there is a whole field of expertise behind this lens. And so if you're not familiar with that, I encourage you to do some more research in, in the spirit of continuous improvement, right, to learn more about, you know, lean manufacturing, lean in the office, continuous improvement processes and anything, um, but one key concept in this field of CI is what is known as waste, right? And waste is anything that is excess to what it is you're trying to accomplish. And so when we're seeking continuous improvement in our own lives, it's really helpful to identify where waste exists in your life. And this looks like wasted time, wasted energy, wasted material, um, wasted relationships, Right there, there are things that are just wasteful in our lives, and if we can get a grasp on where that waste is, right? It could be it could be water pouring out the back of a hole in your boat, or it could be a small leak in your tire. So there's different there's different spectrums on when we talk about waste. You know how much waste we're talking. Some can be a lot. Some might be the small trickle trickle. But over time, that's going to create a deflation in 
deflation, I don't know if that's actually a word, right? A deflating of yourself and your capacity to lead. And so we need to identify where that waste is in our own lives. And then we need to understand the process that surrounds that opportunity so we can make a plan of how to improve the process, eliminate the waste, and then raise our caliber of functioning as an individual or a leader. Now, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times when we identify waste and you say, okay, what process do I have in place around this? The reality of it is we don't actually have a process in place. And it could be something, I think I've mentioned this before. You know, I recognize that I have waste in my mornings, right? I am not a bounce out of bed and let's go, you know, light up the world in the morning kind of person. Unless, of course, I have an event happening where I get to connect with other people because I'm a passionate extrovert. So if that's happening, you know, if I get to go in and meet with, like, I'm meeting with our incoming freshmen right now with Notre Dame football, and when I get to meet those guys at 7.30 in the morning, I can I can assure you that I am jacked up and I pop out of bed in those mornings. But in mornings where I don't have something specifically planned, I I have waste in terms of I hit snooze twice and I wake up slowly, right? And go through sort of my morning routine until I'm ready to really activate and shift into gear. And so one of the things that I've identified in those moments where I, or those mornings where I don't have um, an, a meeting outside of my home office is that I need to put a process in place. And so one of the things I think that I've mentioned too is that I've, you know, started with a, a, a five minute morning meditation and then I jack up, there's this uh, Amazon Prime station called Gospel to Get You Going, and it's just this high-energy gospel music, and, and we just put some Sonos sound system in our house. I just studied stuttered there. Lots of S's, man. Sonos sound system into our house, and so you know I can, I can get that going, and that just totally raises my energy level, and all of a sudden, I just saved 30 minutes in my day, because if it usually took me an hour to actually sit down and and get going on work, now all of a sudden, everything I've done prior to that functions faster. And so I save 30 minutes of my time. That's a process that I've put in place when I once I identified that area of waste. So again, you identify the waste, you ask yourself, what process do I have in place? And if you don't have a process, right, you create one, you eliminate the waste, and then all of a sudden you raise your caliber of function. I was wasting time in those moments and actually wasting energy because I was too lethargic. I had to I had to capitalize on my energy sooner. And so, you know, again, I, I come to you every week sharing this stuff, but it's not like I'm perfect, right? I, I engage in this process of continuous improvement as well. Um, my husband and I engage in this process in, in our marriage. You know, when we, before we got married, we created a vision, we wrote a mission, we have core values. And when we go on road trips, one of the things that we do is a well learned. We've talked about that. Hey, what's going well? Where are we doing really well in, in our marriage and in our relationship in relation to our vision, mission, and values? What do we need to do to get better, right? That's a This is a continuous improvement process. And what are we learning about ourselves, right? Then we make a plan. Okay, how are we going to do these things better? How are we going to replicate what we're doing well? That That's, again, another simple lens through which to look at this process of continuous improvement and how we can really apply it to anything in our lives. Let's say you want to spend more time with your kids. Well, where are you wasting opportunities there? 
How can you create a process and a system to make that happen? These are the things that is really, re- these are the things that are really, really important for us as we lead in when we are trying to create systems that are sustainable and seek that continuous improvement in what it is that we're after. Now let's shift to looking at lead out. So continuous improvement, you know, really gained popularity in business when Toyota invoked the process to improve their effectiveness and efficiency in manufacturing, right? And since then, CI has gained popularity in all aspects of business to help companies improve efficiencies and ensure that they're not wasting valuable resources like people, time, products, et cetera. And and so, so this is really important in terms of your bottom line, in terms of your employee engagement and satisfaction, all things that we talk about in terms of critical business drivers, continuous improvement is really designed to help drive efficiencies in every aspect of our organization. And so, you know, there's a simple continuous improvement cycle that that's sometimes referred to as plan, do, act, right? Um, But another simple way to think about it is identify, plan, execute, review. And so you identify opportunities in the process or workflow. So then, and then you plan, you know, how, how can this current process be improved? You execute, so you implement the changes that you've identified in the planning process, and then you review. How are the changes working for our team? Is this working? Is it driving efficiencies? Is it creating more inefficiencies? And and you decide to, to either replicate that change or you make an adaptation, right? So identify. You have to identify opportunities in your process or workflow. I think I think a funny example, you know, if you're if you're I remember when I was on travel travel teams, right? And the head coach would call the assistant coaches and tell them, hey, you know, the weather's terrible today. We've got a snowstorm. I was in, let's say, Binghamton, New York, right, where I grew up playing soccer. We've got a snowstorm. We can't practice today, and all the gyms are already full, so we're going to have to cancel practice. So he would call the assistant coaches, and each assistant coach would have a group of kids that they were responsible for calling, let's say the team captain. So the assistant coaches called the team captain. And then the team captains each had five players that they were responsible for calling. That is a process. How inefficient would it be for the head coach to have to call the entire team? That's inefficient. Simply, the now they implemented a process, right? Head coach calls the assistant coaches who calls their designated captain who calls their designated girls on the team in my case, right? So whatever you, if you've got things in your life that seem really frustrating and heavy and laborious to you, take a deep breath, step back and try to identify opportunities to either create a process or improve the current process to minimize efficiency, inefficiencies, right? then create the plan. How are we going to go about actually creating efficiencies here? Then you execute, you implement those changes, and then you review. Is this actually working? Because a a lot of people stop at the execution part. Okay, we identify these changes, we're going to implement these changes, and then job's done, let's move on. But maybe they worked, maybe they didn't. And if they didn't, Now you've created a change in your organization that probably is creating some frustration in your people, right? So identify, plan, execute, review. And I think this is a really simple way for us to really create efficiencies and also 
empower our people. So the further we get through each of these leadership principles that we talk about each week, I hope you can really see how they're all connected and how they build on one another and support one another. And again, seeking continuous improvement is an awesome way for leaders to show humility to their people. Hey, listen, I'm not perfect. I'm always growing. I'm always willing to do things to get better. And I care about you enough that I want to make your lives better by creating great systems that allow your work to be sustainable, that don't add unnecessary burden to you or time to you or labor to you, right? And I want to hear your thoughts. Is this working? Is this not? And oftentimes, you know, the, it, depending on how big your organization is, the further away from the actual execution of the task is you don't know where the inefficiencies actually are. Um, so for example, in our McDonald's franchises, you know, they did some lean in the drive-through practices where they tried to literally minimize steps between the drive-through window and the the people there that have to to fill the bag, right? Put the condiments in, get the drink, et cetera. And so they actually did studies with people that worked in a drive-through to help them figure out what's the best flow here, what's the most efficient flow. You are the closest one to this process, you know, not not the people sitting in Chicago and the corporate headquarters that they don't roll out a plan that say, hey, this is how you should set your drive-through up. No, they went to their actual franchisees and people working there to identify how can we optimize this process. So that's another key thing as a leader. Don't try to don't try to implement all these changes on your own. Uh, the reality of it is you probably don't know the nuances well enough to really um, tap into the need of your people, nor are you tapping into their creative power. And so by literally going and asking people to sol- and soliciting ideas on how to improve process, now not all of them will be able to be implemented, right? Not all ideas are good ideas. Not all ideas, some ideas are great ideas, but don't necessarily fit into the overall picture of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And and Tom Mendoza talked about that, you know, in, in his episode. So he was on, let me see here real quick. Um, Tom Mendoza was on episode two of this season's podcast, and he talks about this. Some ideas are good ideas, but not good for the organization or where we are in the business cycle. But when we solicit those ideas from our people, it can empower them um, and can really uncover some great ideas to help us drive our business results. So that's really a look at, again, creating systems to create sustainability in your organization and really adopting that leadership principle of seeking continuous improvement. And as it relates to our mindset principle, we pair this with the concept of adopting a growth mindset. And so fix versus growth mindset research comes out of Stanford University by an amazing um, researcher, Carol Dweck, and she has a book called Mindset. We've referenced her a ton in the past, but... The two mindsets that she identified, so she did a global study looking at what is the difference between successful and unsuccessful people. And what she identified was that successful people and unsuccessful people tended to to either have a fixed mindset or growth mindset. So successful people had a growth mindset, unsuccessful people had a fixed mindset. And they viewed five specific things differently according to those mindsets. And a growth mindset believes that talent and intelligence can be developed, right? It can be developed over time. Whereas a fixed mindset believes that talent and intelligence is static. You got what you got when you're born, and you're never really going to be able to exceed that capacity. And so 
when we adopt a growth mindset, it leads to a desire to learn, right? And therefore, um, a tendency to look at these five elements differently. Challenges, obstacles, effort, criticism, and the success of others. People with a fixed mindset, though, this leads to a desire to look smart or look good at their craft, right? And so therefore, it leads to a tendency to approach those five elements differently. So in terms of challenges, right, a fixed mindset person is going to avoid challenges because they need to look good, right? Look smart. And if they engage in a challenge and they're not good at it, that means that they aren't good as a human, period, right? Whereas a person with a growth mindset embraces challenges because they believe that the the path to mastery is effort and learning, right? Obstacles, person with a fixed mindset gives up easily, whereas a person with a growth mindset persists in the face of setbacks because they know, hey, over this brick wall or through this brick wall or around this brick wall, I'm going to get better. Whereas obstacles to a fixed mindset person is if I hit an obstacle and I can't get through it right away, again, that means I'm not good enough. Effort to a fixed mindset people, person, they see effort as fruitless or worse, if they have to apply effort, they're not good enough. Whereas again, growth mindset sees effort as that's how we get good. If I don't have to work hard at it, then I need a harder task because I'm not getting better if it's not hard, right? Uh, Criticism, person with a fixed mindset, they're going to ignore negative feedback, right? That criticism, because again, it says, I'm not good enough. Whereas a person with a growth mindset, they learn from criticism and they learn even if it's not given to them and the package to them well and good communication style, they're going to take what they can because they're hungry to get better. And finally, the success of others. People with a fixed mindset, they feel threatened by the success of others because if somebody else is succeeding and they're not, that says, I'm not good enough yet again. And everything in their world that they can't just do or doesn't come easy or somebody else is doing reminds them or tells them that I'm not good enough. Now, some of you out there are thinking, come on, man, like it, it, things are going to be hard. You should expect them to be hard. But there's some of you out there that are like, wow, that's me. That's me. Like when I see somebody else succeeding, I come up with a list of reasons why they're succeeding. The boss likes them. The coach prefers them, right? The, the refs, the refs are against us. Instead of saying like a growth mindset person would find lessons and inspiration in the success of others. Now, of course we're competitive, right? So we're like, well, I want to get good too, but, but if they can do it, I can do it. And that's the mindset of a growth person. And when people have a growth mindset, they reach higher and higher levels of achievement and it gives them a greater sense of of control over their lives, right? Because they're just always getting better and learning. Whereas, you know, a person with a fixed mindset, they tend to plateau early, right? And achieve less than their full potential because they, they, they are reminded all the time that they're not good enough and they often quit early. And so if this is you, it's okay, Because the reality of it is, when we recognize that we have a fixed mindset, we have a choice. At the end of the day, we control our thoughts. And our thoughts, the thoughts that we repeat over and over, build these mindsets. And the beautiful part about a mindset, right, what fires together, wires together. But if you're not firing, 
your fixed mindset perspectives, those thoughts that tell you I'm not good enough. And instead you choose to embrace a challenge or tell yourself, no, I'm going to work hard. I know that hard work is going to make me better, right? Then you're starting to build that growth mindset and it's a choice. So next time you run into a, a challenge, an obstacle, effort, criticism, or the success of others, and you catch yourself having that fixed mindset, take a deep breath and just choose to have a growth mindset Instead, one of the things that we've talked a lot about um, with our guys at Notre Dame and with my students at Notre Dame is the difference between perfection and excellence. Somewhere along the line, people have equated those two things. Excellence means I'm perfect. And that is simply not true. Anybody that is striving for excellence will tell you that failure is part of the process. And excellence, listen, excellence is about how quickly can you recover after you fail? Like excellence assumes failure is going to happen, but it recovers quickly. Perfection means that you can't ever mess up and it is debilitating. And I, it crushes my heart because I see my kids debilitated in their ability to just engage in class, right? Share ideas, be creative in projects. They want to know like, what are the exact rules? Do you want this in 12 point font? Do you want this in uh, double space or single space? Is it okay if it's one and a half space? Um, are you going to take points off if it's not one inch margins? Like, and listen, I get that they're conditioned by that based on our school systems. But when I tell them, listen, guys, I want you to deliver it to me in a way that you feel appropriate, it like they get scared, right? Because they're scared to not be perfect. And and newsflash, none of us are perfect, but we do have the opportunity to be excellent. And we adopt that growth mindset. It allows us to engage in that process of continuous improvement. If you're a leader, there's this um, uh, song out there right now, a country song out that's when's Uh, the last time that you've done something for the first time? Like, that's a really good question. And I want you to consider that. Like, when's the last time that you've done something for the first time? A lot of times, by the time we're 30, our brains tend to have experienced a lot and don't get excited or, or novelized frequently. And that's a sad thing. And so if you, if you can't really remember the last time you've done something for the first time, I want to challenge you to kick, I'm going to kick you out of your dang nest and go try something new because it's going to activate some new parts of you at the neurological level that are going to help you engage in this process of continuous improvement. Listen, life is too short to be way too serious or to not be connected to people, not be continuing to grow and not having a great impact in this world. Continuous improvement is an incredibly important part of this. I heard this awesome story one time um, of this, this uh, instructor, this Taekwondo instructor, and he was at the top level of, of his craft. And when he passed away, one of his wishes was to be buried with his, with his white belt, right? Which is the novice belt. And they were like, yes, but master, you, you are the epitome of our craft. Like, don't you want, don't you want your black belt with you? And he said, no, because I want to always be remembered as someone who always was hungry to learn and hungry to get better. I know my black belt is an incredible symbol, but even when I had my black belt, I still had the mindset of a white belt, wanting to learn, wanting to get better, wanting to hone my craft, wanting to achieve ever higher, 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 higher levels of mastery of my craft. Sometimes we're bound, right, by our position 
that we're supposed to know it all or have it all together. And the reality of it is when you open yourself up to learning and to growth, your people are going to respect that and you're going to come alive. One of the studies of my dissertation, so transition out of the NFL, he made a really cool analogy. He said he read a book, a full book for the first time after he was out of the league. So this kid went through high school, went through college, played in the league for eight years, and had never read an entire book. He said, my life was so, I was so distraught that I went, when I left the league, that I didn't know who I was, what I was doing, et cetera. And he said, when I read a book for the first time, it felt like, I felt like Neo in the matrix when he was like hooked up to all these wires and they were just felt like I was just getting filled with new information. And I just started devouring books and every book I read, I felt like I came alive. And literally this is what is happening to you. It's happening to your brain. It comes alive. Different neurons start firing. It starts awakening your system, right? If you feel stagnant, if you feel frustrated, seek continuous improvement, seek growth, and it will start to awaken you, aliven you, and allow you and position you to inspire your people to do the same. Whew. I feel like I feel like I get jacked up by the end of these podcasts. I get, you know, I start on a roll with something and it gets me going. Now, now I got this adrenaline flow and I got to tone it back down because I know we're coming up on time here. I want to let you go. But before I do, I want to give you your championship leadership um, training for this week. And so from a lead-in perspective, I want you to identify waste in your life and put a process in place to raise your caliber of functioning. What waste do you have in your life? What process do you want to implement? so that you can raise your caliber of functioning. That's your mindset train or your leadership training for lead in. Leadership training for lead out, I want you to select a system or a process in your team and engage in the continuous improvement cycle. Identify, plan, execute, review. So identify how you can improve that system. Work with your team to create a plan around the changes that need to be made to, to remove that waste, to improve that efficiency. Then I want you to execute the plan right? What changes did you make, right? Execute it, do it. What measurable, how are you going to track the changes so that when you come back and you review it in 30, 60, or 90 days, whatever you guys decide, um, you can say, okay, are we going to replicate and keep on this change or do we need to make additional adjustments? Okay. Some change cycles are shorter than other. Maybe it's a week that you try it out. Maybe it's a month. Uh, Again, depending on what it is you select and choose. But again, select a system or a process on your team and engage in that continuous improvement cycle. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to thank you so much for being with us today on Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. If there is any way I can be of assistance to you or your team, your organization, or you want to talk about what it could look like for me to come in and deliver a keynote address, or if you would like to work with one of our performance coaches on staff um, just for your personal growth, please reach out to me, amber at selkingperformance.com. I'd love to talk with you and, and figure out how we can help build championship mindsets in yourself, in your team, or in your organization. And again, just reaching ever higher levels of performance excellence. Uh, Amber at selkingperformance.com. Also check out our website, www.selkingperformance.com. And then we're also on all the social sites. So Twitter at Champ Mindsets, Instagram at Selking Performance, Facebook, Selking Performance Group. So you can find us everywhere. And we really, really want to connect with you um, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, social media, all those different places that we can can find you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your 
thoughts, please give us your feedback. And if you have a second to rate and review us on iTunes, that's also hugely helpful um, because it helps our sponsors know that, oh yeah, people are actually getting a lot out of this. And as I mentioned earlier, if you are interested in being a sponsor and partnering with us to continue sharing these messages with people around the world, I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, And again, you can just shoot me an email, amber at sulkingperformance.com. Thank you again. This has been Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast, and your host, Dr. Amber Selking. And from the locker room to the boardroom, I want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset and leading to win. Brightview Medical is a patient-oriented medical healthcare organization with goals to change healthcare as we know it. By understanding the wasteful and costly healthcare system in place today, Brightview is able to create a unique opportunity that revolutionizes patient doctor visits, cuts back on costs, and increases patient satisfaction. They house all of their specialty physicians, CDC-level labs, and state-of-the-art technology in one building, providing a one-stop patient-centered environment, which is unparalleled in today's medical field. At Brightview Medical, they don't just practice medicine, they perform it. This episode was recorded and produced by Truthwork Media. If you're interested in having a podcast, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. Truthwork Media. Everyone has a story. Yours needs a podcast.